listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 175 and 176 of Fed by Ravens. We are that far into reading the Bible. 176 days now. Man. So if you're following along, uh, we're grateful for that and... uh, you can be reading or just listening because we are continuing the oral tradition and we got a lot to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Things have gotten dicey. <laughs> so what are we reading today, Matt? All right. Our Old Testament reading for today is 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25 through chapter 16, verse 7. You're getting comfortable over there. Yeah, like, I was... Thinking about all of it. I was like, oh man, what... Well, where do we jump I'll in? I'll read. Okay. So the kingdom has officially been divided. Oh, it took uh, like half a chapter. Yeah. It went from Queen of Sheba, this, we're powerful and wealthy, to like a chapter later. Okay, Solomon's dead. Rehoboam, his son, has Judah, the tribe of Judah, with Benjamin and, and the Levites. They're locked up in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Jeroboam is over the rest of the tribes, the ten tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. So Israel versus Judah. But you're still hoping at this point in the story, maybe they can work it out. (sighs) But they can't. They can't. Um, And the reason they can't is because they both immediately go to idolatry. Mm -hmm. And perhaps Jeroboam's is shocking because he introduces two golden calves. Yeah. In Shechem. In Shechem, which... There's been a sordid history in Shechem. Uh, as a quick reminder, Shechem is a city of refuge. Uh, it also was the place that established um, oh, Abimelech okay. as the son of Gideon as king after he murdered all his brothers. Anyways, so Jeroboam sets up his, his temporary capital and worship center in Shechem. And I think... I mean, it's so shocking. The last time we heard of golden calves was when Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the ten yes. words. Yes. And they start worshiping because they're scared. They yes. start worshiping calves. Well, so Jeroboam, if you remember, had lived in Egypt for a little bit. Yeah. When he was hiding from Solomon. So, so he picked up some of their... He might have picked up some things. He gets nervous. He starts thinking, man, if the people go to Jerusalem to worship God there... They're going to become sympathetic to the king of Judah, and they're going to be like, why are we separated from him? We should be all one nation again. And so he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm going to set up two golden calves, one in... Bethel. Bethel. And one in Dan. And Dan. So, like... North and south. The extreme north in Dan and the, like, south of the kingdom of Israel. So there's no reason to ever go to to Jerusalem. The temple. But... it's so disturbing. And then though. he says the worst thing. Yeah. This, what does he say? In, in verse 28, he says, uh, chapter 12, verse 28, is what I have marked. Mm-hmm. Um, so the king took counsel, made two calves of gold, and he said to the people, you have gone up to Jerusalem long enough. Behold, your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Dude, <laughs> totally wrong. Like, that's the part of the story you heard? Yeah. You missed the whole story. 
No, the golden calves are not the ones that brought you out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. The Lord God of Israel. And if you've been reading, God has been very clear about this. Mm-hmm. So Jeroboam goes the exact wrong direction. He's not only going the wrong direction, but he's counterfeiting yes. the true religion of God. So it goes on to talk about how he, he does like a knockoff of everything. Yeah. So the same festival days yeah. that God set up, he does festival days. So you're not tempted to go off to uh, Jerusalem and do those real days. Mm-hmm. He's doing everything false. He's setting up all these high places, and uh, it's a rival worship of calves. Why? And now this is the ten tribes. This is Israel. And again, the king is leading, a king who God chose, yes. is leading the people away from God. Yeah. Will so, God, what does God do with uh, his people? And I realize, too, God's not interested in making slaves at all. Right. So that's why he doesn't force the king to act like Mm -hmm. he wants. He doesn't command it. He's gracious. He interacts with Jeroboam in a relationship. But just like in a real relationship, God sends someone to say, Jeroboam, do you know what you're doing? You need to stop. And that's where a prophet comes. And it kind of sets the trajectory for Israel to be the people who kill the prophets. Mm -hmm. So this prophet comes. Out of Judah. And he says. And he shows up. And cries against the altar that mm-hmm. they're sacrificing on. He doesn't really even cry out against Jeroboam. No, he cries just... out against the altar. He says, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a son shall be born to the house of David, Josiah by name, and he shall sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who make offerings on you, and human bones shall be burned on you. And he gave a sign the same day, saying, This is the sign that the Lord has spoken. Behold, the altar shall be torn down, and the ashes that are on it shall be poured out. So he actually comes and brings a word of judgment against the false altar and the false god that they're worshiping. And he makes a reference to King Josiah, who's 300 years away from being born. But Jeroboam gets the meaning of today. So that's not even going to happen for 300 years. Mm -hmm. Jeroboam responds like Pharaoh in saying, seize him. Yes. He stretches out his hand against him and says, seize him. And his hand shrivels up and locks into place. Which sounds like something that Moses did with like the staff and the blood and the serpent. And like, it's like a little, it's like not a parlor trick, but it's a trick. It's a miracle to say, hey, the authority's over here. Yes. And so then Jeroboam is like, oh no. Yes. That's not good. Yes. His heart, though, is hardened, is what it says. And mm-hmm. so um, they don't listen to the prophet. The prophet goes away. Well, oh no, he does say, why don't you come to my house and well, eat? He says, pray for me and ask that the Lord restores my hand. Right. The prophet does pray for him. Mm-hmm. The hand is restored and he says, come to my house and let's, you can spend the night and eat. See, that's the confusion that when Saul was chasing David. Mm-hmm. And we see this. In ourselves, even, there's like a mix of regret and shame and like, oh, what have I done? Forgive me. Right. But it's not, it's not, hasn't worked out true repentance yet. Well, it's, it's a, a way mix. to, it's a way to get out of the immediate consequence right. of the action, of your actions. But the, the prophet says, no, 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 I've been set apart to come in here, tell this message and get out. I am, we are not at a phase where we can frat, fraternize and we can hang out because mm-hmm. you guys are spiritually dangerous. Mm -hmm. And so he's supposed to get out. He leaves the king. Meanwhile, there's a prophet, some other prophet, some other kind of... So there's an old prophet who lives in Bethel, like the same city. He's not speaking out against this altar. Mm -hmm. 
the implication is that he's a prophet of Baal or of some other uh, foreign god. And by the way, Jeroboam has set up a bunch of priesthood from mm-hmm. people not taken from the Levites. Yes, okay. yeah. Yeah, he's he's specifically set up priests it's not all, within the Levit- Levitical it's line. It's all counterfeit, yeah. Yeah, and so there's this other prophet who's living there. I think he's a false prophet. He hears about what yeah. the man of God did and is like, I want to be near that. It's very much like Simon the Magician who sees the, the apostles lay hands on. He's like, oh, I want that. And so I think he wants to be near that. And so he goes out well, and... Yeah, we, I need this explanation because the story is so strange. Yes, if it you're is reading very along, you know there's a lion and a donkey standing next to. Well, yes. I won't spoil the story, but it's so weird. So it's good to hear mm-hmm. this guy is not a true prophet. No, but he's just wanting to have some of this power that can yes. shrivel up the king's hand and then unlock it. Yes. Okay. Now continue. Sorry. Yes. And so he goes and meets. He goes and tracks down the the man of God who's trying to leave Israel and get back to Judah, get back to the land of safety. Right. And he shows up and he's like, no, you should come to my house. Come to my house. We'll eat and you can rest for the night. And the prophet says, no, I'm supposed to go back home. Yeah. The false prophet says, he says, the Lord oh, spoke to me. Oh, an angel yeah. spoke to me by the word of the Lord saying, bring him back with you into your house that he may eat bread and drink water. And so he lies to him and says... And uses the language, counterfeits. Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, one of your angels spoke to me. Right. Oh, now you're speaking my language. And so here's where the man of God's yeah. missteps is he doesn't consult the Lord right. to test the word of this prophet. And he just goes ahead with him. But there's a couple more missteps here. He goes in, he eats the bread and drinks the water and while they're there the thing that this false prophet wanted to happen actually happens to him he actually gets a genuine prophecy from the real god right. of the creation and it's a prophecy against the man of god and says the lord says because you have disobeyed the word of the lord and have not kept the command that the lord gave you uh but you've come back and eaten bread and drunk water in the place of which he said to you, eat no bread and drink no water. Your body shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. And so he says that while they're eating. Oh, no. Yeah. So, oh, no. So here's two things. There's two more missteps that kind of helps clarify and is not highlighted but implied. The man of God Mm. keeps, continues to eat. Right. He continues to do the thing that he's already done. Right. And... There's no repentance. So he could have stopped and said, oh, God, that is yeah. from you. I'm sorry, and called out. But he, I think, to me, this prophet, the real prophet, yeah. kind of carries with him what's going on in Judah, too. Yes. So, like, he, when, when you know the Lord has said something like, don't steal, mm-hmm. but then someone says to you, oh, the Lord said it's okay to steal because these people are stealing. Mm-hmm. And you just... You have that's where you the moment you have is to go, God, what do you want me to do? Right. And you can hear the voice of God again say, Don't steal. Right. I'll provide for you. And that's what this guy didn't do. And then he didn't immediately repent. Mm-hmm. Like even David did would when he yes. was confronted. He didn't yes. just go, Well, I'm dead now. No. In fact, yeah. And so, so he okay. just kind of accepts it. He doesn't do anything with it. And he just accepts continues to eat the meal. And then walks out. And then walks out with uh, a donkey provided to him by 
the false prophet. And so he's now... As a sign of, I've accepted and and been a part of... uh, This corrupt culture. Yeah. And so he continues on, and a lion comes out and kills him. And then the lion and the donkey just stand side by side next to this man, the man of God's body. Right. And the lion doesn't disturb the donkey, doesn't continue to disturb or eat the man. He just they just stand there. Well, and that's because uh, God wanted them to know this was a judgment. Mm-hmm. This was not a natural mm-hmm. event. So the false prophet hears about it, runs over, gets the body. The lion allows him to take it, and he buries. He buries him in his land, and he tells his sons, when I die, bury me with this prophet, because he was a real prophet, and prophecies he actually said came true. And again, I think it's just a desperate desire for this false prophet to be near someone who was legit. Yeah, I think, so he mourns for him, he then is going to be buried with him, and so it is confusing when you read the story, you're like, wait, did this guy who lied to him like him? Why is he respecting him? Does he feel guilty? And it's like, no, no, no. We're thinking of it from a Christian kind of mm-hmm. perspective. This guy is just a magician, you know, yeah. He's and he saw power and he wants to, it's like a talisman yeah. or a good luck thing. Like, yes. man, I want to be around this. Yes. And that's how we see it because this is the state mm-hmm. of Israel right now. And that's what it's, the whole thing is telling us. It's really sad. And when the prophets can't speak the word of God, uh, you're in trouble. Yes. So... We continue on with the story of uh, Jeroboam. His son uh, becomes very sick, and so he and his wife are scared. So this is highlighting with a prophet who still is speaking the word of God. Yes. So he goes, go to Abijah, the guy who told me I was going to be... He gave me the initial good news that I was going to be king of Israel. Remember the guy who tore his robe into ten pieces? The Shiloh knight. Yes. So, uh, and so, so go to him, but for whatever reason, Jeroboam tells his wife, like, go in secret. Yeah, well, because he knows, uh, I think, a couple of things. He knows Abijah is, or Ahijah, sorry, Ahijah. Uh, he knows Ahijah is... Uh, oh, yeah. Abijah is his son. Yeah, Ahijah is the prophet. So Ahijah is probably not going to be too happy with Jeroboam because Jeroboam has been openly rebelling against right. God. And uh, you're starting to get close to... Um, okay contested territory in Shiloh. And so you don't want the queen showing up in contested territory. Open. Nice. Yeah. But I think too, uh, what you just made me think of is you manipulate. Yeah. But it's also like religious. Stuff. So he's trying it's to also manipulate like Saul. Yeah. Like he's this is a Saul move, but he's trying to manipulate the real priest of God. Yes. And he wants good news. Cause now he's, when it comes down to it, his son, Abijah is sick to death. Mm-hmm. Send my wife, manipulate to get a good word because again it's, it doesn't have to have feeling or emotion behind it it's incantations mm-hmm. get the prophet to say your son will live and that will work yeah. that's what's different for us we feel like oh you have to mean it and you have to know things but to them it's like purely words have power if they're said by the right person mm-hmm. in the right way and so of course God tells uh, the real prophet here's what's happening so when she walks in he says I know you who you are you're the wife of Jeroboam Yada, yada, yada. Uh, as soon as you step back into your city, your son's going to die. Everybody in Jeroboam's line's going to die. You're totally wiped out because you have disobeyed the Lord uh, completely. Mm-hmm. Okay? So she goes back, steps into town, 
and the son dies. Yes. And this is establishing, like, look, there still are prophets of God. Yes. And God still cares. Just, Mm -hmm. see, we think, we look back, and because time is compressed, we think, man, God's so angry. He's wiping out these people. Mm -hmm. But if you're in real time, and you're a faithful person, you're like, man, God is so slow. Mm -hmm. He does nothing. Mm -hmm. Because Jeroboam's been allowed to rule now. It's going to end up ruling for 22 years. Yes. God, where are you? Why are you doing it? We look back. God, you're so mean. You're so. It's like, no. It's hard for us to see God is gracious and he's kind and he's sending prophets because he loves Israel. Mm-hmm. But Jeroboam has done so much damage that uh, his time is over because of idolatry. And that's what leads us into um, the end of 14, right? Yeah, so Jeroboam dies. His son, uh, Nadab, uh, replaces him. And then we get a quick summation of Rehoboam, who reigned for 41 years, which is pretty... Oh, wait. Yeah. yeah. No, no. No, no, no. He was 41 years old when he... 17 years. 17 years. But here's here's what I learned Mm rereading this, is that... So Kings is from the perspective of Israel. Yes. Chronicles is the same stories, but from the perspective of Judah. Yeah. So that's why uh, it gets confusing, but when you start to read about the accounts of the the kings of Judah, it'll always say... um, now, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam, mm-hmm. Abijam began to reign over Judah. Yeah. So, like, they're always comparing who was ruling according to who they saw ruling. Mm-hmm. I hope that makes sense. Uh, and that really starts after Rehoboam. So they talk about Jeroboam's dead. His son takes over. Rehoboam basically has 17 years of complete, like, spiritual devastation. Yeah. Everything from, I mean, he committed... More than all their fathers had done. He'd built for themselves high places and pillars and ashram. What are ashram? It's the poles. The poles? Mm-hmm. To Baal and to... To Asherah. Asherah? Yeah. Which is the female. Is she the female fertility mm-hmm. god? Right. So they set up uh, male cult prostitution. They did all these abominations. All this kind of... All the things that were in the land when they were supposed to wipe it out mm-hmm. have come back. And then the... Egyptian king who yeah. supported and housed Jeroboam while he was in hiding, he comes in and raids Judah and actually raids Jerusalem, and Rehoboam, as a sign of like subservience, gives uh, the king of Egypt yeah, all the all- gold and all the treasure from the temple and from all the great buildings that Solomon built. Yeah, it's like... Uh- it's amazing. So now he's building shields of bronze. Yeah. Not even silver. Yeah. Like, we went to bronze. Probably because it looks like gold. But yeah, things have... Rehoboam really made a mess of everything. Yes. Um, so when you spiritually leave God, then things physically kind of start to deteriorate. Right. Um, so then he dies, and his son, uh, Abijam... Abijam. 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 Yeah, I like that. He reigned over Judah for, I have... uh, Three years. Three years. Mm Mm-hmm. And... It wasn't good. And his his mother was a daughter of Absalom. Whoa. Yeah. And so he, uh, he did as much... He sinned as much as his father did. And so he only had three years of ruling. Apparently his mother was a very, she had a lot of power and authority and was very awful and created a lot of awful uh, 
stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Abijam only has three years, dies, and his son Asa comes into his place. It's pronounced Asa. And the only reason I know that, Matt, is because I know people named Asa okay. after this king. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, in fact, well, Abijam, I don't know why he doesn't say why he died or how he died. Nope. So he dies in three years. But yeah, his mom apparently created like pornographic statues that yes. were disgusting and disturbing to the point where Asa, we finally get another good king. Yes. He's one of the rare ones. So and this he is did grandson right. to Solomon, great grandson to David. And he is like. He comes back, he does the best he can. Um, and even it's very realistic. He rules for this classic 40, he's 41 years yes. of reigning. So there's something about reigning for 40 years, mm-hmm. uh, fasting for 40 days, 40 nights. I don't know. Uh, but he does what's right, and things are going well. Although he still tolerated some of the high places, he still mm-hmm. cared. Yeah, so he, he got rid of all the things that his grandmother made, all the Including her prostitutes. Yeah. All, like, he even got rid of her. Like he, right. he like, made her get out of the city. Um, and then he started to restore the treasury to the temple and rebuilding some things and dedicating things back to God. And then um, the king of Israel, the next king of Israel, Basha, who we haven't really learned about yet, he moves up against uh, Asa. So real quick, um, real quick, it goes, Rehoboam, his son Abijam, three years, Asa, 41 years. Now we go back to Jeroboam. Mm-hmm. Jeroboam, uh, after... Jeroboam, then it's Nadab. Nadab for two years. So they each kind of had a bad yeah. kid. And then, yeah, Basha now is kind of con- more contemporary with Asa. Yes. So Basha is the Israel, and mm-hmm. he's from the tribe of Issachar. Yeah. And he basically... Um, fulfilled the word of the prophet against yeah. Jeroboam. He wipes out everybody that's in Jeroboam's line. Yes, all of them. And he's from the house of Issachar. Yes. So now you got a leader from Issachar, and Basha. He moves up against Asa. Mm-hmm. Asa uh, is scared and doesn't know what to do. So he then goes and makes a deal with uh, the Syrians and says, hey. He being Asa, right? Asa, yeah, makes yeah. a deal with the Syrians, gives them a bunch of uh, gold and silver from the treasury and says... Will you break your agreement with the tribes of Israel and move against them? And so they agree. They move against the tribes of Israel, uh, start raiding in the north, and then Basha realizes that's happening, and he has to move away from Judah and take care of that. And and a little bit of military reality. Mm -hmm. You never want a two-front war. All right. And so by getting the help of the Syrians up north, those guys start to attack from the north, Mm -hmm. which uh, now Israel, Basha, led Mm -hmm. Israel, is in a two-front war. It works perfectly. Basha rules for 24 years over Israel, even though Mm -hmm. he's evil. Yeah. And then doesn't a prophet show up? Yeah, so so we get a quick summation about how Nadab, Basha actually kills Nadab during one of their... Wars against the Philistines. Yeah. And then Basha, again, though, is continuing in the ways of uh, Jeroboam. And so Jehu is a prophet that goes up against Basha and says, uh, since, you, since I exalted you out of the dust and made you leader over my people, you have walked in the way of Jeroboam and have made my people 
to sin, provoking me to anger with their sins. Behold, I will utterly sweep away Basha and his house, and I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam. Anyone belonging to Basha who dies in the city, the dog shall eat, and anyone who is of his who dies in the fields, the birds of heaven shall eat. And so again, he's like, oh, you're not following my ways, so you're going to end up just like the king that you wiped out before you. Right. So here's what we take from all this. There's a king, and then there's always a prophet Mm -hmm. to keep that king following the Lord. Mm -hmm. These kings turn into, apart from the Lord, they are just cold-blooded murderers. Mm -hmm. And so when you hear the harsh language of a prophet, he's shown up to say, repent. Made me think, though, who's king of the world when Jesus shows up? Satan. Caesar, right? Caesar is Lord. Like you have, isn't he one of the biggest uh, of all time? Mm -hmm. It's funny that at the time when uh, the whole world is kind of unifying under Caesar, the Son of God comes as the prophet. And, uh, yeah. And they try, and they kill him. They kill the prophet. <laughs> they kill the prophet. So you're seeing Israel and Judah right now, and that's how we have to refer to it now. The divided kingdom. Israel is north, Judah is south. Mm-hmm. So Israel and Judah both are in a place of not trusting the Lord, except for Judah had a nice little spell there with Asa. Yeah, and Judah, again, still has the temple and the Levitical priesthood. And it's for the sake of David yeah, that God is holding... Yeah, constantly for the sake of it's David. It's the sake of David God is holding on to this place. He promised to put his name on it, so he's keeping it. Mm-hmm. Not because of their obedience. No. And it's for the sake of Jesus that you and I are being saved and set apart, not mm-hmm. because we've done anything to deserve it. Praise God. Praise All right. God. Our New Testament reading for today is Acts chapter 16. I was just looking at you. You're kind of, you, today you're just, you're, I was very, wait, you're very peaceful. You're I was just waiting peacefully. for you to start the music. I was but waiting then for you, you were to waiting. speak, yeah. yeah. You're peacefully uh, staring into your Bible. Yeah. That's good. That's good. We do have Bibles in front of us, <laughs> just to let you know. Um, so Acts chapter 16, essentially it's just the whole, we get one whole chapter today. Yeah, uh, we left off with Paul and Barnabas separating yeah. over an argument of John Mark, and so they end up splitting up. They both wanted to go revisit the churches, and uh, so they both kind of go in different directions so, yeah. and kind of end up covering... So some same areas. So some interesting things here where he picks up Timothy, mm-hmm. who is a perfect, <clears throat> he's in the right place at the right time. He's Jewish mother and a Greek father, mm-hmm. Jewish and Gentile, at the perfect time in history where these two things are being reconciled yeah. to each other and to God. It's now opened to the whole world, and the ruling is you don't have to be circumcised mm-hmm. to be saved. You just need to abstain from... Basically, uh, idol worship. Yes. And so what does Paul do? He takes this kid who wants to be in ministry, who's with him, takes him under his wing, and he circumcises him immediately. (laughs) Because when you don't have to be circumcised, Paul's like, good, now we're free to do it. Yeah. When you say we have to do it to be saved, he writes the whole book of Galatians and (laughs) says you're you're all anathema and you're wrong and uh, you have a different gospel. But that's the beauty of Paul and why people get confused. Why did he circumcise him? Well, what we know about Paul is... 
he wanted to reach the most people possible. Mm-hmm. And so if he has Timothy, he wants him circumcised so that he can reach and have authority with the Jews and the Gentiles. Yes. And so the Gentiles don't really care no. about this. No. So who does? The Jews. Yeah. So we're going to be all things to all people. He preps Timothy by doing this because there's a lot of freedom. He knows it's not to get Timothy saved, right? Mm-hmm. And then, um, and so the churches are growing in strength and they've broken up. And Paul, Silas, and Timothy, Barnabas, and Mark are a different way. And then you get this strange, it's always been strange to me, but I think I understood it today. Mm-hmm. where it says they went through the region of Phrygia mm-hmm. in Galatia, mm-hmm. having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Right. So like in your ministry, in your life, the Holy Spirit is guiding you. Yes. And for, I don't know how. We don't know how. We only know what the Bible says, right? And it says mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit was saying it's not time to go to Asia. Right. And so Paul is like bummed out about that. And... Um, the Spirit would not allow them to go into these other areas. So passing through, they went down to Trous, and then a vision. So God is very involved in where Paul is going. He, he cares very much about how the church is going to spread. And a man of Macedonia was standing there in a vision, urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so yeah. this is over to Greece, right? Yeah. So this is into <clears throat> what like is known as Europe. Europe. So the gospel now is about to break into Europe, mm-hmm. and God has directed it. That's, I've tried to figure out how this all works and even tried to apply it to my own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I have yet to feel like I'm forbidden from taking the gospel anywhere by the Holy Spirit <laughs> and to have a man show up. So it's not like a normal occurrence for us, mm-hmm. but it happens to Paul, and so it guides where they're going to go. Yes. And then you see God working. So you're expecting, at least the expectation from a literary perspective is, whoa, they're going to go into Greece and the gospel is going to blow up. It's Mm going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. And it is, but it's never the way we wish. It's not at all. Like in essence, I mean, well, let's just go through it. First of all, they make their way in to um, a direct voyage to Samothrace and then following day in Neapolis. They're going to all these Greek places, Philippi. And they heard, hey, it's on the Sabbath day. Let's go out to the riverside. We're uh, supposed to be a place of prayer. Yeah, so there's no more synagogues. Because they're out of synagogue range. They are now in, in Europe. and so No one knows or respects Jews. And so there's like God-fearers who kind of understand the idea of synagogues. So they have sacred places to pray to the one true God. But that's about it. But it's like every church planter's nightmare. Yeah. Let's go. All right, let's find it. We've always gone to synagogues. Yeah. Okay, we heard there's a place of prayer by the river. And from this, it sounds like they got there and it was Lydia's family. Yes. <laughs> They're like, uh, is this it? Yeah, yeah. And they spoke to a woman who had come together. Yes. One who had heard us uh, was a woman named Lydia. Mm-hmm. And she was from Thyatira, seller of purple goods, a worshiper of God. And so basically, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention, and they baptize her, and they become great friends. But I just thought it was funny, like, this is the great missionary journey. There's, like, one family. Let's just say she has a couple friends. Maybe it's 15 people. Yeah. For the great Paul, Silas, and Timothy. (laughs) They become great friends, and and it opens things up. He stays there with Lydia. Then you're like, okay. That was the big payoff. Yes. Now, here's what you have to pay for all that. Here's what you pay for that small gathering by the riverside. 
It sounds so much like church planting. Yes. Like you come to church, it's like 40 people. Oh, but the Spirit of God is mightily here. Okay, all right. Uh-huh. And here's what it costs. So as they're going to the place of prayer. Yeah, so they're trying to make it like a, yeah. like a common thing. Let's like establish this place yeah, and so make it a legitimate place now. They're going to their little church by the river. Yeah. A slave girl who is filled with the spirit of divination. Mm-hmm. This darn divination spirit, the serpent spirit, yes. calls out um, Paul and says, these guys are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. But she's doing it, again, it's kind of like what we read with the false prophet. Yes. It's and, like, and it's also what the demons did to Jesus. It's the demonic, like, I'm going to tell everybody who you are mm-hmm. so that hopefully, I guess, they'll confront you mm-hmm. and try to stop you. Um, they don't ever think of it as a way of, or they're shifting it to these people away from God, doing what God wants to do. Yeah. I don't know, but anyway, Paul gets annoyed. <laughs> I know, I love that. It turns like to happens for like many days. Yeah, like she just follows them around, and as they're trying to have a conversation or talk, she's just she's constantly screaming. announcing. Yeah, these are the people who are going to show you the way of salvation. Oh yeah, let's act it out. Okay, <laughs> these are the people who are going to show you the way of salvation. Come one more time. These are the people who are going to show you the way of salvation. Then I turn and I said to the spirit, "I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her." <laughs> and it came out of her immediately. Instead of everybody going, "Oh, whoa, cool," they said, "Dude, you just ruined our business." Yes. Who are you? And so they drag Paul and Silas into the marketplace, and they accuse them. The first thing they accuse them of is something that has been around a long time. What's their? What? What, what do we have against them? Well, they're Jews for one thing. <laughs> Like, that is it. These men are Jews. And they're disturbing our city. Yeah, they're disturbing our city. Yeah. That's all they got. And so... Um, and they oh, advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice, which is a lie. Totally. Because they're accusing them of Judaism, and Judaism is a legal practice. Right. It's not probably common because of the lack of synagogues in, in Greece, but it's within the rest of the kingdom. But really, it's all about, you stopped our flow of income, you called out our spirit of divination girl, Mm -hmm. and we've watched you. You're like doing something that might, is probably worse than this. Yeah. Oh, you're a Jew, you're this. And so, uh, it goes horribly wrong. They end up going to... They are beaten and sent to jail. Yeah, they're beaten with rods. And then they're put into stocks. Fasten their feet in stocks. Yeah, they're put into a into a cell, and then chained to the walls. Okay, so far, who wants to be a church planter, missionary? You get... Uh, it starts off so exciting. A seamstress and her friends. <laughs> yeah. A woman who sells purple, who meets by the river. Okay, cool. And then you'll be persecuted. Beaten and thrown into jail. But you're, you got the Holy Spirit leading you, which is pretty exciting, at least at the beginning. <laughs> and then what I love, too, is... okay and. Here's like their biggest victory, the Philippian, uh, the Philippian jailer, right? Yes. So all for one guy. It's all for yeah. one guy and his family. Yes. That's so cool. Because I'll do all this for one family, and I'll be like, oh, I'm, I'm such a loser. Yes. Uh, but so at midnight, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns to God. Of course, after being beat, you're locked up in jail. What are you going to do? What a baller move. It is a pretty baller move. Like, we're going to sing hymns and pray to and God. And all the prisoners are listening to them. Yeah. They're like, you guys are crazy. 
but see, they don't know anything about Christianity. Yeah. So they're so going, they're you're crazy, like, but what is this? Yeah. And that's, uh, so what happens then is God does his thing for his guys and his girls Just when they are being thing. persecuted and he causes earthquakes. He does an exodus. Mm-hmm. He shakes open everything. They can walk out. And as they can walk out of the prison, the jailer is about to kill himself. Yeah, because uh, yeah, the jailer all- had to guard the prisoners with his life. And if a, gra- a prisoner escaped, even one, he would be executed. So the guard is like, uh, my life's over. So he's about to kill himself. And Paul jumps out and is like, don't kill yourself. We're all still here. So Paul cares for the guy who's paid to keep him uh, mm-hmm. in prison. And so that's when the guy's about to kill himself. He goes, do not harm yourself. We're all here. Mm-hmm. And they had, to turn the, they had to turn the lights on, you know, yeah. light the torches or whatever. And, um, and the guy was trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. And that's when he brought them out. He says, what must I do to be saved? And he's, he's talking about, like, right now, I need to be saved from death <laughs> and whatever else you guys can offer me in the afterlife. Like, that is yeah. not a... That's common. Most people that die now are going... Like right now, if we're yes. facing it, we're going, how can I not die? Yes. And what's next? Can mm-hmm. you assure me I'm all right in the next life? And so they say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. Yes. And so they spoke it to him. They, they baptized. And this is a great verse where it's like, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Mm-hmm. So like the idea that he made a decision to follow Christ and now his family follows him. Yeah, his and, family benefits. And so, you, of course. And so they all get baptized and now they're rejoicing along with the entire household that he believed in God. And it's like kind of a happy ending because Paul and Silas and Timothy stay in jail. Yes. And the guy says, well, they told the magistrate what happened. Mm-hmm. But see, Paul knows more than everybody. He's uniquely equipped for this Mm -hmm. because he's like a genius in the law. He's a Roman citizen. And he says, we're not walking away. You humiliated us and beat us. Okay, so here's the thing. (laughs) If you're not a citizen of Rome, a born citizen of Rome, the leaders, magistrates of a city, they can do whatever they want to you. Right. And then they can do it in public and then they can release you in secret. Like, no trial. It doesn't matter. Whereas Paul's going, oh, they publicly beat us and did not give us a trial. We are citizens. Yeah. Silas and I are both citizens, and they need to publicly apologize to us for publicly beating us. Yeah. And so when they find out, they're scared because they could now get in trouble from Caesar. And so they, uh, they come and give a public apology to Paul and Silas, and then ask them, beg them to just leave their city. Yeah, we're sorry, leave, because we didn't know you were part of the family. Yes. You are part of our household of Rome. Yes. Whoops. Man, that's a bummer. Uh-huh. And so this is, uh, so far, this is the second missionary journey, right? Yes. So far, this is how it's going for Paul. And he's already gone out once. He's Now he's yeah. going a different direction. You would think, you know, our romantic ideas about um, evangelism and church uh-huh. planting, at least mine. I'll just be honest. Yes. I, Please. I'm so disappointed that I only see a couple people saved and it feels like really hard all the time. And, but when I read this, I'm really encouraged. I'm like, oh, this is the right path. Yeah. I mean, there are a few, 
there are a few Billy Grahams out there, but this story of Paul is more realistic mm-hmm. to you want to be used by God? Well, you're going to, not that you're going to suffer, because you're still going to be singing hymns mm-hmm. and praising the Lord. You're just going to be doing it in a jail cell <laughs> or by a river with a couple families. <laughs> so it's going to be great. It's just reset your expectations that one person is worth all this. Yeah. That one jailer is worth getting mm-hmm. beat for. Because that's the mind of Christ, mm-hmm. and that's the power of the gospel, and that's what the church is doing back then and even now. Today I'm going to read Psalm chapter 78, verses 1 through 8. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known, that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise to tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. And that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Boom, you've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We will see you next time.